back. It was Indy, you would think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collinson. Joining me today, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good after last night, I'll say. Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> isn't it nice that when a game's on late, you can kind of go to bed after the third quarter's over, <laughs> if you really wanted to? I mean, I, I didn't because of I course. had... No, I, I was also, like, I, I had to drive a buddy home and stuff, so I didn't get to do that, but, but nonetheless, you know... When, when you've anticipated, especially as this city has, when you've anticipated a game for two weeks and it goes about as smoothly as you can possibly imagine, you know, you know, it's fun times. And, and who knows, you know, one one more game and we may be having the same experience we had in October, you know. All right. We're not a football podcast. We're not going to dive no, too deep into it. But re- it. No, but real quick, but real quick. As an Eagles fan, who do you want them to play next week? Obviously, we are recording this before the Niners Cowboys game. Is this like a who would I prefer? Sure. Yeah. I'm sure you'd prefer to see the Cowboys because the Niners are a wagon. (laughs) I actually kind of think it's the other way around. I feel like I, yeah, because I feel like at some point I'd rather have the team that travels further, the team that's kind of on a quarterback that's running on magic. You're you're telling me you don't want Eagles, Cowboys, NFC championship game. Come on. No, I'm saying, you know what I'm saying with that is that, that I think that, I think that the Cowboys would be tougher is my point. Okay. And you know, and you know what? We will talk about it on next week's show. And because, uh, I mean, we'll, they'll already know who we're playing by the time the show goes up. So, uh, Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into it. Um, to be quite honest, we're going to dive right into our stuff in just a second. We're starting on a little bit of a disappointing note. Before mm-hmm. that, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we're really trying to grow over there, trying to get some stuff going. Follow us on Twitter, YWT Podcast, Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Uh, all right. So getting right into it. Um, Flyers were kind of the talk of the hockey world this week. For sure. Uh, for And quite frankly, it wasn't for the dominating win over the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of all about the pregame skate. It's about the Ivan Provorov situation. I'm sure most people have heard about it by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he declined to take warm-ups on Tuesday night uh, and therefore declined to participate in the team's uh, pride night You know, as part of the You Can Play initiative. Uh, he declined to take part. After the game, he cited his religious beliefs, said he wanted to stay true to his religion. And true um, to himself. Yeah, and true to himself. Uh, Kevin, we're going to throw it over to you. You said you had, you know what you want to say about this. Well, because I because I spent a lot of time. Well, first of all, I spent a lot of time thinking about it all pretty much all week because, first of all, it was all anybody talked about for roughly 48 hours from the time that we knew this was the story. It was the biggest story to, in hockey. To, I mean, like, it's from the moment that the statement came out basically post game almost immediately to the time when the puck hit the ice again for them on Thursday um, and really beyond because even then, you know, it was still, still a big time. It was still the big time talk of the league and all that yep. stuff like that. And, and there was no other flyer story and it was going to be a headline no matter what you can say that this is a media driven thing and whatnot. That's, you know what, that's your opinion. I respect that, but it was the story from my perspective, and this has nothing to do with the story itself, but I'm yeah. talking about from a working perspective. I don't stay down after a game for much more than 10 to 15 minutes once we wrap post game. Like, right. I go You're not down. hanging around. No, I go down. I get. I do the interviews. I go back upstairs. I probably because majority of the games that happen, something happens in the last five minutes that I don't get to write about. So right. it's an like it's a, an unfinished game recap that I have to finish putting together, get all the final numbers in, and then I publish. And as soon as I'm done publishing, I start packing up and I leave. Right. Right. It's it, like 
it's pretty obvious that that would put me in a range of I'm out of there by 1030 most nights. Fair. I knew after this, like I got my, you know, I get my stuff done and all that. I knew that I was not going to be able to leave the arena until I wrote about that part of the story, too. Absolutely. And it almost felt not I want to say not wrong, but like I felt like I was doing things out of order. Because the recap wasn't up yet, and I could have posted like, if if I could have posted the recap before I went downstairs to do all of this part of the work, then the recap would have been up there, and it would have been like, hey, by the way, this is a story. There will be more. We're waiting to talk to people, and then you'll get it. I had to go back upstairs, publish the recap as if it mattered anymore, and then <laughs> write that story. But but it's my job to write that story. That's right. the point. Like it right. was there. So in giving it a lot of thought. I think that this situation really reflects the lack of middle ground that we have in society because there was no commonality to any of this. The way that our society is, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong, and there's very little harmony on that. I'm, I'm talking about in general. I'm not talking about my opinion. I'm talking about this is the way it usually is. So to some people, what Ivan Provorov did was completely wrong and how the Flyers handled it was wrong. And, and, you know, the league's response was wrong and so on. And on to, the flip side of that, his jersey sold out the next day. Well, so. and, to, no, and to others, Ivan Provorov had a right to choose what he believes and what he wanted to do. He did. The team acknowledged that while staying true to their beliefs on what the night meant. Uh, and this is a non-story. Because there's people out there that are sitting here going, what, what are you doing, doing talking about this? This is a total non-story fabrication, blah, 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 right? Like there's people out there that, that, will, uh, that are posting that. Like, get off of this non-story. It's media fabricatable. And it's like, to each their own. You you know. And I think that realistically, the truth of the matter is, is that it is somewhere in the middle, but we never get to see that part of it. Ivan Provorov absolutely has the right to choose what to do in that moment. He does. That's America. And the, and, and the NHL backed that up in their statement. Sure. Uh, sorry, I have it up here. I do just want to read a piece of it because it's relevant sure. right there is um, players are free to decide which initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives on social and cultural issues. And here's the, and look, obviously not everyone is going to agree with his choice, and not everybody is going to interpret the choice the same way, but you can't take that part away from him. Each, each you know, in the same breath of saying he's got the right to choose we all have the right every person out there who watches the sport who doesn't watch the sport who just found it as a story each one of us has the right to perceive him however we want to and he has the right to make that choice that's why it's divided in the first place yep. so one thing that i know that i have a problem with out of all of this is not even something that i think that was out there as much on the night of i don't know that the organization's response was the best and here's why Ivan Provorov has been with this organization for almost eight years. If you don't have any clue by now what his personal beliefs are and his religion is and all of that, then you don't know anything about the people within your own organization. And to find out from – and John Tortorella is the one who brought this to light – to find out that this was talked about in advance of the night as much as, you know, as, much as two days to a week – Hell, the, hell the, the night in general, they announced these theme nights months in advance. Way You've known all season that this was supposed to be Pride Night. So 
there could have been better preparation in how to address this dress this other than just to suddenly have him not be out there for warm-ups to create speculation that is he traded is he hurt is he sick what's the reason like it just he just didn't come out so I and do... then and then we find out later the reasoning behind it but he just wasn't there and then he shows up and plays in the game it was like so what gives what's the story here well quite frankly i think from kind of what's trickled out about who knew and when they knew and who talked to who and Scott Lawton and JVR were involved. Based on kind of all the things that have trickled out, it seems like um, the Flyers were kind of relying on peer pressure and hoping that Provy would change his mind and just wear this, the jersey. But this is my problem with it, okay? So if, if you know, nobody outside of those within these conversations and what we've heard is that, you know, it was – you know, nobody outside those conversations knew uh, that Provorov wasn't going to be out there prior to the game. So, like, it, it's a very limited group that knew exactly how this was going to play out and and, ha- and how it did play out. It looks worse when you consider that, sure, you know, maybe Provorov and John Tortorella talk about it. Maybe Provorov and Scott Lawton talked about it and they were and Lawton's in on those conversations. Maybe Chuck Fletcher's in on those conversations, as was indicated by Tortorella. But how does ownership representation not know anything about this leading up to? Is there that much of a disconnect in your organization that you don't know this stuff across the board? Because that I have a huge problem with. I mean, let's put it this way. And and you want the easiest resolution to the whole thing leading in? They didn't announce that jerseys were even part of this until Tuesday morning. If you had a conversation on Sunday about it and there's no way to change, you know, he's going to make his choice, you know what his choice is going to be, and he's going to follow through with it, then why didn't you just pull the jerseys before anybody knew about it? If it leaks out after the fact, then you've got another problem on your hands, and I get that. But well, because I think would, the, t- the team still wanted to wear the jerseys. But I just don't understand why you couldn't figure out something else that involves the jerseys in some way without making it part of the pregame skate where everybody wasn't going to be on board with it. That's the thing. Like, 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 honestly, let the two players that have the biggest involvement in the initiative put their jerseys up for auction that they were, that they were going to like, make it seem like they wanted to have the jerseys made. And they had a a jersey, you know, Scott Lawton had a jersey with those numbers made for him. And JVR did, you know, or something. Before we dive too deep in on kind of what happened and getting into it, I do just want to make it clear. My opinion, you Okay. Before we kind of dive into the exactly the details of the situation. If you know me personally, the following statement is not going to come as much of a surprise. Um, I strongly, heavily support the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, I don't think I've ever been as personally disappointed with a Flyers player as I was on Tuesday night, uh, slash Wednesday. Uh, I have an Ivan Provorov Stadium Series jersey, the black one from a couple of years ago. Yeah, the one they currently they, that they wore later that night is the alternate. But that I'm that I'm strongly considering getting renumbered. I'm not going to burn it. I'm not going to you know whatever. I spent a lot of money on that jersey. I'm not going to burn it. But I am strongly considering it getting it renumbered. Um, I okay. I don't think Ivan Provorov should have been compelled to wear the jersey if he was unwilling to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he should have had the right to choose to do what he did to sit out the warm up to not participate. Um, you are entitled to your opinions. You're not entitled to how others feel about your opinions. Um, and I, 
I'm, I'm severely disappointed. I don't know if push came to shove in his personal life. I don't know if you asked Ivan Provorov if he would support gay marriage or not. It, it sounds like he wouldn't, certainly. But I, if, if you really ask him deep down... Um, one thing I do want to mention, um, just because it is something that is relevant, whether we want to admit it or not, mm-hmm. he is of Russian descent. Mm-hmm. He cited the Russian Orthodox religion as one of his primary reasons. It would be naive to not acknowledge the fact that that country uses religion and political pressure in the same breath. I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm not saying I, Ivan Provorov may just be, in my personal opinion, a garbage human being for his opinions. But if it comes out at some point in the future that maybe he's not quite as um, close-minded as he appears, keep in mind who's in charge in his home country, and keep in charge kind of sure. what. Keep in mind what all that means. Fair, and that's fair too. That being and- said. To, uh, and if, yeah. if, if I may inject yeah, yeah, yeah. one one piece of thought that I had based on what you just said, yeah. To be honest, I was surprised that he actually verbally mentioned what his religion is when it came maybe within five ten seconds after he had made his own little statement and then said, "I'm not I, like I'll take your hockey questions, but I'm not talking anymore." So the, the fact that he even gave you what the religion was, which because then that le- that leads to people kind of doing their own research on well what is because because I, I understand not everybody's going to know every religion that's out there so when of he course. says it, about how many people do you think went to google and it's like well, what does this religion say right willing to bet it did some level of or some low level of trending sure. so i so i was actually a little surprised that he after because somebody i think i think if i'm if i remember correctly he made a statement like he answered the first question addressing it said he wasn't going to take any more questions on it God asked another question, I think, kind of in line with it and was shaking his head like, no, I'm, I'm really not going to do this or whatever. And then did answer the question about and what's your like, what's your religion again? Like just to try to figure it out or, or, or but not figure it out just to get confirmation, I guess, because, listen, for a story like this, if that's what you're going to say, your belief is it does help to, you know, at, from, from a reporter standpoint, it helps to know exactly where you stand for sure. And I was I genuinely I was surprised that he actually said what it was as opposed to. Sticking with the, I'm. I said I'm not not answering questions. Right. So he did say what it was. So yeah. I was surprised. But all of that being said, how garbage do you have to be that Tony D'Angelo is not the worst person on your defensive core? <laughs> I'm. That was a joke. Yeah, um, I know. That's why I kind of tried to. Check I know. Out. I know. Um. So the thing is, the other the other joke that I made the night of is, man, really? We start trading, we start talking about trading them, and then all of a sudden he's coming out and doing stuff like this. It's not going to help the trade value. Oh, definitely not right now. Not when you're in the middle of a story like this. But, um, as far as what the team knew when the team knew it, that to me all still sounds like the the hockey ops were really hoping that he would change his mind and they wouldn't have to tell the big boys upstairs that this is going on. Cause that's how it reads to me is we've heard stuff that the team was considering not wearing the jerseys all the way up until Tuesday morning. But, and and I can't, and I'm going to tell you right now, I can't buy that. And I'll tell you why, because the same player was also asked about, a specific world affair and we don't need to go into deep like we're not Certainly. a we're not a political or we're not a world news podcast Certainly but not. there was something going on in the world that involved his home country 
right? Several months ago is when it started. Yep. And he was asked about it then, and, and he basically said, you know, my political views or my like not, almost to say my opinions on something like this is nobody's business anyway, and all this stuff. So you knew his response to something like that, and you know that you know that there's probably an element in that answer that is, I'm not getting into it because I'm just not getting into it, and it and it can be his own internal beliefs, but there's also probably an element to it as you alluded to. I know that my is, opinions unpopular. No, no. There's also probably a part of it that too. No, but there's all that. Well, I'm saying you're probably Fair, yeah. like that's probably the first part. But the other part is you're probably right. There's an element of it where it's like I have to watch what I say because this is the way that the con that country and is. We've that seen if, like my family be in trouble. Right. Exactly. We've seen repercussions. So the I Artemi Panarin situation. The, the Artemi Panarin situation was insane. They essentially fabricated a sexual assault and like hauled them back to Russia and like. I mean, well, I mean, do you need any more around specifically around this organization, no less? Do you need any bigger example than Ivan Fedotov? Right. And what's going on? Yeah. Like that he all he wanted to do was try to continue his hockey career in North America, and they basically told him nope. absolutely not. Get, get and they to the forced Arctic. him in, right. And they forced him into his military duty. For a year or maybe for a two. year or we'll more. See. Right. So like it, when you look at the state of affairs over there, you understand there, there has to be a little bit of a level of understanding as to why a player does not elaborate on certain things when that is the home country that we're talking about. And I am hoping – I am hoping that that's the case here because I don't want to believe that Ivan Provorov is a terrible person, quite frankly. And if he holds these beliefs, in my opinion, he's a terrible person. I will say that clearly on the podcast. If you are homophobic, if you are transphobic, if you do not support the LGBTQIA plus community, in my personal opinion, I'm not speaking for Kevin, I'm not speaking for the show, I am speaking for myself. If you hold those opinions, you are garbage. You do not deserve to play hockey. You do not deserve to make millions of dollars doing so. You do not, no, you don't, you don't deserve a platform. You don't. Do, do you want to know something I will say based on what you just said, though? Okay. There's a word that you just used in there that I think changes the game a little bit. Because you said something about if you like if you don't support, I don't know that you have to support them as much as be aware and understanding. Awareness what? and understanding are very good words in this, and and to an extent, respect. When like, I say support regarding the LGBTQIA plus community, I'm referring to the fact that you believe they should exist, acknowledging them as human beings. They are the full point. human beings. Right. They should have the right to love who they want to love. They should have the right to get married. Right. They should have the right to be a normal human being. But that's my and that's my point of of awareness and okay. understanding and respecting other lifestyle. Like, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> the fabric of but the, the fabric of America is we're not all the same. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, now, uh, so to continue what I where my thoughts were, by the way, in general with this, nobody wins in the situation to me truly because. Literally, the night's purpose of what it was supposed to be was completely overshadowed by this. Sure, and what and listen, you can't take that away. Yep. It, it like it makes Ivan Provorov look bad, even if he didn't do anything more than utilize the right to have his own beliefs. Because okay. there's an because there's an entire community, as you said, like this is where I'm coming from: awareness, understanding. There's an entire community out there that feels shunned by him, and Absolutely. you can't take that away from them. I, again, I said from the top. He has the right to choose what he wants to do, to believe what he wants to believe, and they have the right, and anybody else has the right to view him however they want to. We all have That's the right the to point. judge him for it. And and certainly that community feels like he just told, like just said, you're not you you're not the same level of human as everybody else. And, right? and by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I haven't profiled has been around for a while. They've done Pride Night before. So previously the, level. previously the Flyers have only ever done optional stick rainbow tape. stick tape. 
Yep. During warmups. Ivan Provorov has not ever participated in that. Just, I'm, and again, I, and I'm I, just saying I, he has a consistent track record. If, on and if, if I'm not mistaken, by the way, I think the only year they even really went stick tape was maybe last year or the year before. So they've only done it for like, like Provorov. I think, Pro it Rob, I think it's been a couple of years running but now. Provorov's ha- got an entire career worth of like, he played for like four or five sure, years where this was not fair. even, an, it wasn't even a thing as far as I know. Um, I feel like it goes back further than you think, but, but, but Branching, well, no, I think that the efforts do. I think the pregame stuff does not, especially within this organization, okay. I think. Okay, yeah. I just don't recall ever seeing, like... I got you. Seeing it as much. But in addition to Provorov, like, it makes Provorov look bad, obviously, but it, it, it makes, you know, the organization he plays for looks like looks bad because that's who he plays for. Ownership looks bad if they truly did not know anything about this because that reflects, A, a lack of communication, and B, just prolongs the... Hey, listen, this is prolongs an entire be, off season and beyond worth of times that we've talked about the level of incompetence that the organizational, you know, is, uh, functioning is. Slava Vornov won a job in North America. It's, it, I mean, that, that, this is something that's become regular discussion when it comes to the Flyers in terms of why does it seem like nobody's ever on the same page? Can, can we trade for Austin Watson and Slava Vornov? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but, it, but what it really does is it, like it diminishes the efforts that players like Scott Lawton and James Fenrims like put into this and what yeah. they did. So and so I'd say really nobody wins among and really nobody wins among the vast population of fans in this city because you know and beyond uh, this country and beyond too really because the divide in opinion on this uh, and this is listen 30,000 foot view from where I sit the the vast majority of the commun- of the divide in this and whatever isn't done cordially or respectfully. It's oh, no. done it's done hatefully. Yeah. And that's the real tragedy here is that if you you know if you want an example that this type type of hate still rages on, never mind the one hockey player that didn't put on a jersey because of his beliefs. An entire portion of the fan base and some people who maybe aren't hockey fans at all 100%. used this story as a way to express their opinion, yep. which frankly no one should give a damn about. I'm willing to bet that people who had never heard Ivan Provorov's name, who had never play, watched an NHL game, bought his jersey on Wednesday morning. I'm 100% positive of that fact. Probably. And, and, and it's, it's why, you know, it's why I really never have anything to say on the matter personally. Outside of, like, I put an initial tweet out when the statement came out, the statement that the Flyers made, and said right off the bat, this is, yeah, like, this is a bad look. Yep. And... Just because you, you know, and I, but I've said nothing further in reflection on my personal thoughts. And it's like, listen, from my viewpoint of the whole thing where I sat that night and what I have to do following that game, I, first of all, I spent the first, I I have to spend the first 60 minutes of the game itself not being biased towards anything because I'm, I'm up there to cover the team. Right. But it's also not my place to throw bias into a story that involves, you know, that's rooted in social justice issues. It's not my, I can't, from a writing standpoint, I can't inject myself into that story. I understand. And and, and that's my choice to keep that stuff off of my public and, profile. And I respect the journalistic integrity. No, because, well, and I keep that stuff off my public profile because quite frankly, I don't find that it's anyone's business either. I'm sure. not a professional athlete sure. whose job is a privilege that makes millions of dollars and allows for a lifestyle that most people dream of having, right? Yep. Like, I, like, that player has a platform. 
theoretically, I guess I have one too because I put myself out there publicly to do a job. But I'm not naive to the fact that most people on any given day, with whatever I would have to say, would sit there and you know would sit there and say, "Who cares? Who gives a damn?" You know, and and that you know most days I don't even utilize social media outside of doing the job because. To me, it's become nothing more than an imaginary soapbox, a stage that people go out and be performers and caricatures of themselves that and try to gain up. and try to gain validation from their own personal beliefs to make them feel better about themselves. You know, that being said, I ain't reading the comments on this podcast. Anyway. I don't know. We'll see if we, and this is the point. <laughs> we'll see if we even get any, because depending on off of it, like some people are going to sit there and go, who cares why you're talking about it? Right. Yep. Like. Or they'll and, use, and we will or get into the hockey their, soon here. I promise. Or, or they'll use, yeah, because I'm wrapping it up too. Absolutely. Or they'll, or they'll use it as a way to express their own beliefs for validation. Like I said, because it's e- e- either everybody turns it into a way to bash somebody else's opinion, or uses it as their own soapbox to put out their own beliefs yep. and gain validation from it. So I don't use social media like that anymore. I, I rarely go on there, and that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it. Nobody wins. We should all simply just think about each perspective to this. Understand that Ivan Provorov does have a you know has a right, and based on his upbringing and where he's from, he may stand true to his beliefs. Yet we also have to acknowledge that he can be perceived in any way by anybody based on how it makes them feel. Especially when you think about and it, but but think really think about how it looks to the LGBTQ plus community and how they feel based on everything. Right. That may be that may be a challenging thing to do. But that's the that's how conversations happen. That's how growth happens. That's how progress is made. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, just think. Just try to think about people's perspectives. And otherwise, you're entitled to whatever you want to believe, whatever you want to think, and whatever you want to realistically, whatever you want to say. That's America. Yeah. But, and and we're not going to stay on it too much longer. I'm going to wrap it up here too. I think the thing that disappointed me the most is when he said, "I respect everyone's choices." And in that community in the queer community, uh, that is, that's tough. It's not a choice. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're gonna, there's really no way to hard left turn out of here. Um, so let's talk. I'll, I'll get, I'll give you one way to kind of get out well, of here. Which, let's talk you know, about which, the game. Well, it, but that's kind of the point yeah. that that's the way to get out of here was, is that was the shame of it was, it was a great game. That it night. was a great, it was, it was game. a fun game. I feel I feel and I feel I feel particularly bad for people who had a, had a moment within the game in some way like Kevin Hayes scored his first career hat trick first career hat trick and nobody like, cares <laughs> like but do, like do you think like when you think about from for for him everything that he's been through and it's like look at this moment you have and there every teammate that was on the ice when that net was empty was get, gunning for it get him Short, that goal shortly after he's named to his first all-star game which was yeah, like, exactly. like come on it's there's a disney movie coming out of this like if he scores if he scores the all- overtime winner in the all-star game they're making a movie i i i really have to give him a lot of credit by the way because i don't know how many weeks ago it would have been it wasn't many, but there was a point in time I mean, at this point, it's probably just a little bit over a month ago that we're probably talking about because that was when the healthy scratch happened, all that type of stuff. He looked like he was as disinterested as anybody, and this was going to end badly. And since the calendar flipped to 2023, he's been on a roll again. It's almost like John Tortorella did that for a reason. If I'm counting correctly, by the way, in the month of January alone, I believe that that is 11 points. In nine, ten games? 
he's he's on he's on a good run right now. And even to, even when you get into a game and uh, like a game like like last night's, there's not much that's going to be happening in that game. But he's a big part of what ends up happening down the road. He he gets the primary on the goal that gives him the lead. You know, like he's putting himself in spots again to be a key contributor. And I feel like it's funny that we're talking about the hat trick in a game against Anaheim because the game against Anaheim on the West Coast is kind of where this started. He had two assists that night, and it was like, okay, it's coming back. And then they played Arizona, and it was three-point game. Here it comes. And, then, and, and then he's kind of, in most of the games they've played, hold for a couple where they weren't very good. It, you know what it's going back to? Remember the year that they were you know, bu- bubble playoffs and all that and things like No, but remember, the good times. Me- remember the record they had when he scored a goal? It was, it was something, something obnoxious. Like it was like he would score a goal and they would be twenty-one, two and three or something. Something stupid. It I was. Mean, it, they were it, how very Boston Bruins of them. You know, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three Boston Bruins of them to have a record that like the losses are minimal and the wins are majority. Right, right? like a crazy majority. It's almost happening again. And he, and he and the funny thing is, he's scored in two games so far since January started. He's got a goal against Arizona and the hat trick, and that's the only times he scored a goal. But, you know, and, and, and it, it, to be honest, it's even funnier. What Like, he's got three games that he has scored a goal in since December started. Three. But the assists are piling up. And the impact he's having on setting up teammates is having. He, do you know what I like? And I'm not trying to compare the talent level of the player. Don't take this for what that is. But how right. very how very Claude Giroux of him <laughs> to set up a bunch of teammates to be up to. He's up to 28 assists on the year. He doesn't have that power play clapper that Claude. No, has, but though. he's up to 28 assists on the year. It's pretty good. After I mean, he was sitting on what 40 some odd points or something like that for. Like he was at something like thirty five and th- like he was at thirty five and thirty five something like that, and he was sitting on it for a while. Right, he and then all of a sudden, yeah. actually, I want I actually maybe even want to pull that back a little further because I feel like it was something like he was at thirty three and twenty nine or thirty three and thirty, and it was like look the point per game pace, and then all of a sudden he didn't do anything for nine ten games, right. and it was all of a sudden it turned into now we're forty games in or thirty eight games in, and he's still at thirty three points. Okay, what happened here? What's going on? Yeah. And he had a bit of a slump. He seemed disinterested. Oh, but because what Kevin it, Hayes it, does. No, but it, it, it had everything to do with what was going on. He went through, a, like, forget that he was named an all-star. It was like he was going through a time when, if you know, like I had a, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine who's a Bruins fan, texted me during Monday's game and goes, Kevin Hayes is on the third line? Like, why? And I went, because torts. That's why. Like, like and, and to be fair to Tortorella, he recently it's been because they got a good thing going lately with the amount of games that they've won. He's not changing life. It's about as, to be honest, I can't remember over the last two, three years or two, three seasons, I guess, because the two before this week, oh, no kidding. I can't <laughs> remember a stretch of games that, that has gone on for maybe this long where the forward lines remained this consistent. Like this is working. The like Kevin Hayes is playing on a line right now with Scott Lawton and Wade Allison. And it's been that way for three weeks. And they look great. And there's no reason to change it. None at all. You know what I mean? Like, there hasn't been. Well, and, and in fairness, do you know why there's been no reason to change that one? Because there's been no reason to change Joel Farabee, Noah Cates, and Travis Konechny. There's been Correct. no reason to change whatever the other one is. What is it? That James line. And, uh, James that and James line's and been Gorgon great. Frost and Owen Tippett. There's been no reason to change that grouping. 
So when there's no reason to change those, there's no reason to change that. And to be fair, there have been a couple of in-game instances like the game on Thursday against Mix it up Chica- a little bit on the Chicago blocks. where when it's not going, John Tortorella's throwing the lines in the blender and said, let's try to find something. But to John Tortorella's credit, after Thursday went the way that it did, it was, I'm going to start the game going right back to the lines that were before against Detroit. Yep. And lo and behold, what worked? Yeah. You know? Two of, and, two of the most effective lines are the ones that pitched in the goals in that game that you win. And Simple we are recording this on Sunday morning, uh, kind of usual. Uh, have you happened to see the? Has there been a morning skate? Did you happen to see any lines? There the won't be a morning. Or? No, there won't be a morning okay. skate when they play oh, the night back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I assume I would, the lines are going to stay the same. Pretty close. They to. haven't. Well, they haven't changed, and the and right. the lineup hasn't changed in a long time. I would assume, given the way that Saturday's game went, that. Felix Sandstrom is getting a start on Sunday. So. I would assume. I don't want to make an assumption. I mean, there, there's an element of it where John Tortorella at some point, I feel like, is going to play the Carter Hart can start back-to-back games card. I tread lightly on it right now. Why, the, John? Like, I get there, it, but why? But there, is, but, the, yeah, but there is also an element, too, and something that is worth noting as we kind of move forward here with the week that's going to be ahead. There is an element to that where I sit there and I say, you know what? You have four more games this week, and then you're off for over a week. Everybody except for Kevin Hayes, who goes to the All-Star game, you right. may be able to get away with it and then lean on the fact that there's a week off. And, uh, most, for sure. and, and for the like, most part, but, during the course of that, nobody's going to do anything. But why risk it? Like, well, I agree. I would. No, I, that's why I would start Sandstrom. If they're, in the, if they're in the playoff hunt and need the two points because Winnipeg's a good team, okay, sure. But, John... What are we doing no, here, buddy? I, that's why. That's why I would sit there and say. That's why I would say Sandstrom gets to start against right. Winnipeg, and then go ahead, give Carter Hart the last three of the week, because you've got Fair. days off in between every single one of them. So Carter Hart can start against LA. He can start against Minnesota, and he can start against Winnipeg. I, I, actually, I fully expect him to start against Winnipeg on the road because as you start to hit that Manitoba, you know, type of play, they usually like to give you know Manitoba, Alberta. They like to give Carter Hart kind of a homecoming of sorts with that yes. type of stuff. So I understand that. I fully expect him to start that game. But oh yeah, but just for this one, I would say yeah, probably give it to Sandstrom. Sandstrom's played a lot, by the way. I think Sandstrom on that conditioning run got like seven straight starts in oh, the minors. Nice and played played a lot. Played well toward the especially toward the end. I think you give him a shot with it, sure, but. But in saying that, we cannot d- diminish the fact that outside of Monday, Carter Hart had a pretty good week. Well, had had a pretty rough week until all of a sudden he gave you a reminder of why he's still worthy of being called the number one. Absolutely. Like, like I understand how Monday looks. I understand how last Sunday looked. And 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 it's a shame because okay, again, back to the Tuesday game against Anaheim for a second, and part of what was lost in the shuffle with everything else we've talked about. Yeah. Um, so first of all, Sam Harrison, by the way, just another start and another win. So he's five and oh, like he's playing well. I, now I, now I want to pump the brakes on two things with, with, with Harrison. Number one, he's played outside of the game against Buffalo where I really thought Buffalo had better for him. Two wins against Anaheim. The win against LA is good. Sure. sure. Uh, and a win against San Jose. And you know what? You're playing the weaker teams. For a kid's first stint in the NHL when he oh, really shouldn't be there and he's only there for injury purposes, 
give him the soft target, let him play well, let him go back to the minors with some some real confidence. And he should, absolutely. Yep. And, he, and and I love I love his poise. I love the way he's kind of handled himself. I think he's if I'm being honest, I, I really do believe I think he supplanted Felix Sandstrom in terms of goalie absolutely. rank. I just think that the, the contract easiest, situation. Yeah. Right, the easiest thing to do was he doesn't have to go through waivers and well, Sandstrom does. And and and, and knowing frankly Quite frankly, mm-hmm. somebody will take a chance on a Felix Sandstrom mm-hmm. as some goalie depth heading into the playoffs. Because no, t- because no team out there looks at a goalie that goes on waivers and doesn't think, you know, I couldn't use one more. Waivers who? Trade them. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying that. If, if oh, they okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying as of Thursday, or right. yeah, I think Thursday, when they when they're not prepared to send him, like to send him down, or they're not prepared to move him because there's no reason to move Sandstrom right this moment either. Right. No, sure, but like come the easiest tra- thing to do is waivers, not waivers. Absolutely. Um, if, if you put him on waivers, there's a really good chance he's getting. Clean. He's gone. He's gone. So, so you don't want to lose him for nothing. But I yeah. do think that I do think that if we are talking about Felix Sandstrom, makes the Buffalo Sabers a playoff team. That's an interesting one, but possibly, yeah. Um, but I, but I, I don't think that there's like, I, I really do believe that I think that if as you're watching it, that Arison made enough of an impression because because it didn't turn into just a three game tryout, right? They they get he gave them enough of a reason that instead of just saying hey those three games were great and Carter Hart's back and we're done with this, they gave themselves a reason to move Sandstrom to the minors for conditioning and say let's let and he got Give two more starts, extended look and he got two more starts out of it and and what did he do pitch his first career shutout and then win another game against Anaheim where by the way I think that one of the yeah one of the goals that he gave up against Anaheim again came in the last two minutes of a game where it's like all but said and done like I do want to mention by the way I like Samuel Erson a lot but he's my second favorite goalie in that Anaheim game on Tuesday I love me some Stoli come on now by the way Stoli played out of his mind he, in that game for most of it first it of all I think head. that was a statement out of Anthony Stolarz give up on me why don't you <laughs> second of all I think he's always been a talented goalie he's friggin massive <laughs> he is massive he is a massive human being like I uh I wish the absolute best for Anthony Stolarz. It's real, I love it always, Stoli. It always really kind of like goalies like that, especially too, by the way, they, because he's so tall, he's massive in that respect. He's not exactly like, like he's, he's still got some like, like he's not the most, mu- like he's pretty musky. He's, he's a muscular, got some useful lankiness about him is what you're trying kind to of, say. Yeah. Because okay. you get goalies like that who, I mean, He's one of the, he. I will say he's one of the most muscular six but, six goalies that I've seen. In terms, by the of way, like, he ju- he just turned twenty eight this past Friday. So happy birthday, Stoli. He was he was one of the best guys to deal with when he was here. He was always such a class act, and there were there were all there were times where that wasn't possible. By the way, where him playing in that game this particular week was not always possible. Yeah. He's had some rough injuries. He's had some overs. rough injuries. I mean, we have had, reported on this show way back in the day very, that he was never going to play again. Well, he, he had a very gruesome injury in juniors, and yep. then he had multiple knee surgeries and, and things like that. Apparently, and, he had his knee pretty pretty darn close to fully reconstructed. I believe it. Yeah. He's come close multiple times. And so, yeah, that was – it was good like good for him and all that stuff. Um, so uh, outside of the goalies in that game, by the way, um, Rasmus Ristolainen, shorthanded goal. 
a shorthanded in, in this, little beauty in this, little, in, in this economy a forehand backhand shelf beauty okay okay rasmus not, not that the, by the way not that this guy ever plays on the penalty kill but i thought it was van reemsdijk because because i'm sitting here going you saw five lumbering saw, down the I ice five. yeah just the, i saw the last half of the number and i'm going look at this guy lumbering down the middle and going to the backhand nice because i've seen james van reemsdijk make that move before too sure. so it's like why not and then all of a sudden it's like wait Tristo, the lining, who who like ten seconds earlier, not really, but like I'm figuratively speaking, Felt 10, like seconds, it. 10, no, ten, 10 seconds earlier had a massive hit along the boards, totally clean, and 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 is like beautiful hit, yeah, and then has an assist later in the game too for good measure, like he had a game. Tristo and, showed and, up, and and by the way, I think if I'm not like he had an assist against, he had an assist on the only goal of the Chicago game. Like all of a sudden, the guy who could not put up a point for like, I don't know, his first what, of the season, correct? His first goal. goal? Oh, yeah, the goal was on on Tuesday. Was yeah, hilarious. So for a guy who, for however long, couldn't put up points, he's got like all of a sudden he's got five points, and three of them are in the last three games. Right. Hey man. Like, listen. Here's the thing. 2019 St. Louis Blues, baby. He can be. Oh, he can geez. be Alex Petrangelo. What's the problem? <laughs> He, he can I be a hybrid of Alex Petrangelo and Colton Pareko. What's the problem? I love that. I love that you're still on this. I th- probably a little bit more Colton Pareko than Alex Petrangelo for sure. But, well, I just meant size wise. He's a little closer I can't, to Petro. But you can't. You can't deny he's playing better. You can't deny it. You can't. And speaking, speaking of playing better, how about a how about another highlight reel goal in within this game? Oh um, my Morgan, goodness, Morgan Frost. Morgan Frost, come on now. That goalie had a family. Stop it. <laughs> Between the legs Stoli. on the goal line shelf. You're doing that to Stoli. Come on now. It was. And, and didn't, I, you, and, didn't you guys work out in Stone Harbor together at some point? Come on. Jeez. Now, by, now, by the way, that's late second period. You know what my vantage point is. Yep. It was right in front of me. And Pretty. I, right and down, going, right down and the goal line. I'm going to tell you right now that as it happened. Did you see it live? Like, yeah, did you catch it? I mean, did you catch it live? Like, the between the legs, the... Because the first time through, I didn't really see it. I had to see the replay and go, oh. oh. no, I turned, I turned to the televisions to watch the replay to make sure I saw what I thought I saw. And I saw Nasty. what I saw. Now, okay. That's some high-level skill out of Morgan Frost. We need to see it a little more. We need to see it a little more consistently. But that's high-level skill. We need to see him have points against, you know, bigger points against anybody and not name the Arizona Coyotes. But I, but, none, right. but nonetheless, I mean, look, over the last handful of games, even since that Arizona game, you know, assist against Washington, he scored against Anaheim, he scored the goal against Chicago. The goal against Chicago, by the way, I do want to give him credit for because that's a great pick-your-spot goal from a little bit of a ways out. That's That's the type of stuff that keeps you going in the league, you know, especially when you're a player who kind of, isn't touted for like I'm, I want to say not for much else. Like he's been a good defensive player, but but when you're not you're not the physical kind because he's a small he's a smaller player, so you're not physical. You're not you know you you want to be known for the offensive skill set in some capacity, right? That's fair. That's the way to be known for the offensive skill set. So, yeah. yep, and it's incredible to see it out of Morgan Frost because it's a guy that we've been looking at for a long time waiting for you know a bit of an offensive uptick sure um, and i i, I th- that's another that was another moment in that game that was kind of fun you, you know you know like you look for some of these these situations where you find a guy who's 
you know, who's doing something that you kind of, that's why I said you had, it was Hayes with the hat trick. Oh, you know, like, by the way, in addition to kind of the, the whole theme of the night in general or what it was supposed to be going in, Scott Lawton had a really strong game as well, by the way, without scoring a goal, but he was all sorts of around the, the, everything involved in that game. He had two assists, like he was at two assists and he was on the ice when Hayes scored the hat trick goal and like made a beeline for him. Like, uh, you oh, know, yeah. uh, because, so, because, because, because I think that Lawton's at, well, forget, uh, you know what? I don't even need to make a comment on Lawton in terms of like being a teammate or whatever. Like Scott Lawton's the first guy, the first the guy is going to be the captain of this team. And, and maybe, maybe not the rest of maybe not at any point the rest of this year, but by next year, John Tortorella is not going to have to think too hard about who the leader in the room is. It's it's Scott Lawton. So here's the problem, okay? Uh, me watching this team as a fan, here's the problem I have currently. Okay. Kevin Hayes is getting hot. Travis Connect is pretty warm. The, the team's starting to play well. Uh, right. You know, they got 35 games left. They're going to mm-hmm. go 20, 10, and 5 and miss the playoffs by four points. Oh. Like, I don't know about missing the playoffs. Like and four points, I, and, and, and I'm not. I'm not putting the numbers together, and that's not a real prediction. It's just the kind of thing that I know is going to happen to this team, and it kind of brings us in towards our last topic. No, of the because, show here. No, because at the end of the day, like here's the point of exactly what you're trying to say. Despite the fact that they lost two games this week, they're still six points out of a playoff spot. Picking thirteenth doesn't make you a winning team. It just friggin' doesn't. Not when you draft like this team friggin' drafts. Which is, which is what my point kind of was last week when we talked about it, which is I think that if you end up picking there, if this is the path you're going to go, which it very clearly is at this point, it seems. Because let's put it this way. What did, what did John Tortorella say throughout the course of the week? He said it after he said it about the Anaheim game, and then he said it following the Chicago game, and he said it about the, uh, the games they just played against Detroit. Yep. The goal is don't lose two in a row. If you're going to lose a game, if you're going to have a dud, then don't re- replicate it. Well, they haven't replicated it. I know. That's the disappointing part. <laughs> it's it's disappointing to you. Well, I know. Well, Look, because, I I, because I think that's what the team needs, right? Like, if if I thought this team... Listen, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know nobody on planet Earth wants the Flyers to succeed quite as much as I do. Nobody wants the team... I, I want to strap the orange-colored glasses back on. I really do. <laughs> It's been a while what, since I've heard you say orange-colored glasses. Because they've been thing. awful, and how how can you look positively about so they've this? They've been team? off is what it is. Instead exactly. Of awful, they've been off. You have taken the glasses off. Well, right. And <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, picking 13th and getting a bunch of guys like Morgan Frost who don't show offensive ability until they're 23 doesn't make you a winning elite organization. Like, it just doesn't. You either have to make savvy trades or draft in the top five. And this team isn't capable of doing either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just... Right. If, <laughs> if I thought this team had the capability to make a run. And, like, quite frankly, it's John Tortorella. Yeah, the man's got magic. Yep. You knew what you were, you knew what you were getting this year. You had right. to know. But... Looking at it realistically, I know they're, you know, like you said, only six points out or whatever it is here on January 22nd. They're not, they're not a Stanley Cup winning team. They're probably not really a playoff team. Because the thing that bothers me most about the situation that they are in is not what, it's not even what it means from a draft perspective. Because everybody wants the layup and that does like, 
and very clearly, if there's if if you need if we need any reason to revisit Nolan Patrick, more than anything, I just want the direction. Not a, no, but it's not a guarantee, right? Drafting at the top is as much as you want it to be a guarantee. It's sometimes never a guarantee. You can have the best player in the world, and he's one. He can be one injury away from not being. But what you he can't. Used. You can't think like that. It's no, pretty that's, close. That's no. That's that's not what I'm saying. Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna go this route though and, and try to be as close to successful as possible and, and be in the middle of the mix and all that stuff like that, what it ends up meaning is that your work is ten times harder, maybe more than that even, when it comes to draft, develop, get a guy out of it. The yep. Boston Bruins do not pick at the top of the draft every year. Right. But they still can land on a guy like David Posternock in the middle of being a team that was in the Stanley Cup final a year earlier. Right. Pasternak, Pasternak went in the 2014 draft at 25th overall and is probably their best player. To, to be fair, the Bruins do have that pretty famous uh, 11, 12, 13 swing and a miss or whatever it was from a couple of years ago. Is it, though? Because this year, Jake Jake, Jake DeBrusque was looking pretty good. Yeah, but one out of three in the top 15 isn't That's exactly, fair. you know. No, but- Zachary Senishin hasn't done a whole lot lately. Um, no, I can't, then, I no, can't but- name the third one, but... but then- uh, it was Zaboral, wasn't it? Jacob it was Zaboral. Jacob Zaboral. Okay. Um, but, but in fairness, then the following year, they picked, what, 13th and got Charlie McAvoy. Right. Fair. Like, you can still land on a guy who's good out of the top 10 to 15. You just have to if be able to know develop what properly. the hell you're doing. Exactly. Oh. Are you trying to imply that the Flyers don't know what they're doing? <laughs> Does the tracker speak for itself? If, uh, if, huh. if, if if the last five years of drafts, if, if part of 2017 and beyond of drafts was because I don't want to take away from the fact that they picked fifth last year and Cutter Gauthier may be a, may be a really good player. I don't want to take away from the fact that maybe Tyson Forrester turns out to be a guy. But two years ago, they didn't have a first round pick because they traded it to get Risto. And <sighs> no, and the pick, the guy they took in the second round hasn't made any noise at all. Have, when was the last time you heard from Samu Tuamalo? So that's a little tougher because how much noise do we usually hear out of the European leagues? Um, not not a whole be, lot. We should be hearing about him as much as we seem to hear about Emil Andre. Okay. Because we do hear enough about players like that. And, and to be fair, fair, by the way, they had when, when Sandstrom was coming up and Arison was coming up, we would hear all the time about how great the goalies in the Swedish league were doing. Right. Like, well, and, and my point, by the way, about the whole rebuild thing is – you're not going to be bad enough to rebuild. All your players are still going to go out there and try their hardest. And John Tortorella is still going out there to win every game. And, like, I don't blame any of them for that. They're there to get paid. They're there to do their jobs to the best of their ability and to be professionals. What you need mm-hmm. is a state-sponsored shutdown. You need the you know Chuck Fletcher and the management team to come in and go, all right, we're trading you, and we're trading you, and we're trading you. And I I maybe not break it. Maybe not break it all the way down. But you take you take out some pieces. You move I, I Ivan Provorov, like we talked about. You know, trade him for something move, in the future. No, but you're you're sitting there, think, there. You're thinking about it like Provorov's part of that group. Kevin Hayes is part of that group. You, you start thinking about the guys that maybe have a value. I like it's right. it's it's getting to like if it was if he was having kind of half of the year that he's having you may throw Travis Konechny into that mix i think that now Fair. you can't because he's 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 too good to be not be part of the path moving forward well i don't, i don't think you can trade him for a realistic package at this point with just the incredible production like i don't i don't know 
I don't know if there are any playoff teams that can take them now. The I guess so. Yeah, high. I guess so. And and I, I kind of disagree with you, by the way, on the whole premise of that. Not in the sense that okay. you need to start like having the state sales you're talking about, but like I think that the bigger part of the discussion is exactly like again, it's kind of going back to what I started saying, which is you you don't have to pick at the top every year right. to be to get yourself out of something like this. You can find the pieces. It's who's doing it. It's who's doing it. Like, I just don't trust the organization to do but, that. But there That's you go. The like, right. that point. It's, I need it, them to get a layup because I don't trust them to take the no, three want No, can I be – then let's be honest about why everybody's pissed off about the fact that they're not going to get the layup this year. It's not because of who they were going to get because, because in the grand scheme of things, I think that after a certain point, if they didn't pick first, if they didn't I, win, I I believe this organization is absolutely capable of ruining Matt Vimichkoff or Adam Fantilli or any of those second guys. Absolutely. Right, but, no, but that, that's not, that wasn't where I was going. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you'll, you'll, you'll understand when I get there. Okay. I think that at some point in time, even if it wasn't number one, even if it wasn't Bedard, people would get over that sure. sooner rather than later if it was – Okay, it's not Bedard, but this is this also isn't the Patrick Kane, James, and Reemsdyke draft. Fantilli's going to be pretty good, or Leo Carlson's going to be pretty good, right? Like there would have been an, there would have been a consolation prize that people would have been fine with because it was still part of that top three, four group, right? Because it still felt like a layup. And oh, by the way, in the midst of that being possibly a layup pick because of where it was in the top four. Chances are that that would have also led to the other part of the equation that everybody wanted, which is it's not going to be Chuck Fletcher running this show. Yeah, it's not going to be this guy, right? You know what I mean? Like everybody wanted it. Not I don't I don't think it was near as much about Bedard as it was. You'll get one of those guys, and oh by the way, the guy who's going to make the pick isn't Chuck Fletcher. But now I think people are sitting there starting to realize Chuck Fletcher is going to be the guy handling the deadline, and Chuck Fletcher say, might be the guy making that pick. We're creeping towards the point where you can't fire him now because you're getting into the middle of trade deadline territory. I mean, they're a I week away from they're a week away from the All Star break, right. and once they're at the All Star break, you have by the time they come back, there is less than a month until the deadline. Do right. you really think that they're going to make a change at this point? I mean, no. I, well, you, I mean, maybe, I, like, maybe you can make a trade after or make a change after the deadline because at that point he doesn't really have a whole lot to do before the draft. Like, no, I would even say theoretically, could you actually could you make the change that everybody expects you to make? Actually, pro- no. Actually, probably because he's been in the room the entire time. So I right. guess theoretically you could do that. But who's like, is it real? Again, this is what I was talking about when we had this conversation a few weeks back. Is it really him? Or is it all the stuff that Chuck Fletcher talked about leading up to that he's just going to go along with because you can't change course anymore? Right. <sighs> and, and I do want to, one caveat I want to make about this, by the way, is I, I can't take it away from the team if they do make the trades that everybody thinks they're going to make and then still end up winning. Sure. No, fair, fair enough. If this team ends up to continuing to win games, despite the fact that they may not have, like, let's say Kevin Hayes on the roster, you can't take that away from them. I'd be surprised if they moved Kevin Hayes. Well, I already told, I, I would maybe too. in the off season. No, but. And I already told, and, and this is why I already told you this. I feel like this was the, I think this was a big part of our conversation last week was, I think you can move the two guys that everybody thinks you're going to move and then still have an internal almost upgrade. I, I if you like, like if you move James and dreams, I, I think agree. your natural pivot is, well, Bobby Brink's ready. Let's bring him into the mix. And he's as, as good from a production standpoint, because let's face it, you know, who's not getting a lot of points during this stretch where they've won some games, James and dreams. Like he's not the one putting up the points. Nope. So what if Bobby Brink starts putting up points and adds to this, you know, like, 
the game that they played against Detroit just now was probably the first game in a long time that they've won without having a bigger offensive output. That's fair. That is the first kind of grinded out, low scoring, reliable Lean on Carter Hart. victory. You know that we've seen in a little while. And I don't know. I you know what I I want to pull back on that. The only other one I feel like is even in the ballpark is the game against Washington from a week earlier. Okay, and obviously we're talking about wins. We're not talking about the six nothing drubbing by the Boston Bruins. Because no, but you know what? In hmm. in fairness to your point about where they are in the playoff picture and all that type of stuff, outside of the Chicago game, did anything go against our expectations? No. Nope. nope. They lost. They got shelled by Boston. We figured the game against Boston wasn't going to be. I mean, game the, was over. No, the early. only the, no, the only thing I think that maybe we weren't sure about was, is this team going to put up enough of a fight to still be in it? They probably will lose the game, but are they going to be more in it? And they clearly weren't. Uh, no. But then they <laughs> and they did exactly what we thought was going to happen against Anaheim. The Chicago they game strong against Anaheim. They didn't just squeak out a win. They they dominated Anaheim to the point where, to your point about Stoli. He was very much keeping him in that game. Until he made, what, 37 two. saves? 34 saves? The something game like was 1-1 one, one at the midpoint. Yep. Until two goals later in the... Like, and, and, and the, sh- and the shots were something along the lines of 25-8 to eight at some point. Like, that oh, yeah. game was gnarly. Second intermission, it was 30-13. to 13. I really... Man, I almost put some money down on the Ducks just because Stoli looked that good. <laughs> he looked steal-the-game good. And in and, and and again, in fairness to the Flyers in general, the game against Chicago, out of the grouping of games that they have played since coming back from the holiday break, that was the first and only dud against the team that you felt like they didn't have a talent gap. Like they've played two duds before if we're going there, but like right. okay, losing like that to Toronto and losing like that to Boston is a lot more expected than what happened against the Chicago Blackhawks? Right. You expect to get your doors blown off by those top-tier elite teams. But but the point I'm also making is they've beaten everybody else. They are 9-3 and three since coming back from the break. And the only game that they've lost that you're like, what exactly happened here was that game against Chicago. They're going to go 20-10-5. I'm telling you. The rest and of the I'm, and, I, and, and to be honest, and this is a great way to kind of cap off this episode, yeah. they've... They've hit a week now where I kind of sit there and go, now you've got my attention. Because we know they're not in the same class as Boston. We kind of know they're not in the same class as Toronto, from a, definitely from a skill level, but they couldn't keep up there. Now you're going to play the teams like outside of the Toronto-Boston games. Sure. To me, the best two games that are the best two teams that they've played and shown that they can beat are the back-to-back, the Hellman home against Washington, and the game that to be honest, was more of a surprise at the time it happened because it was so early in this run, but when they beat L.A. And you're going to get L.A. at home this week, and you're going to get two against Winnipeg, and you're going to get Minnesota, and just to kind of put all that into perspective for you, L.A.'s kind of mid-pack. L.A.'s a really funny team to me because they, they're in the playoff picture comfortably. They're 12th in the league standings, and they've got a goal differential of minus nine. I know. They, I don't yeah. understand that team for anything. I, I don't know how an Anze Kopitar-led team is minus nine, but anyway. Minnesota <laughs> is right in that same picture, too, because Minnesota's 14th, very much in the range of a you know like where Pittsburgh and Washington are. But we give Washington the credit for being in the playoffs and being, you know, Washington is not that far off from being one of the teams that all of a sudden would then swap with another Metro team to get one of those, guaran- right. not guaranteed, you know what I mean, like be one I of know. the top three. 
I will. I'm so, really curious about the Winnipeg game because Winnipeg is sixth in the league, and I, that's where I want to see this. I will say this though: two things kind of going in the Flyers' favor is if they do decide to make a run here, and if if they do, knock on wood, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they do make the playoffs, Carter Hart is good enough to steal you games any any night, any time. Do we need to talk about and, that save at the end of the game? By the way, I, right. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't actually say it because between the Eagles and the UFC fights, didn't watch a whole lot of the, the Detroit game on. No, not, not in, in fairness, neither did I. <laughs> right. But, but uh, this it, to be actually to be, to be honest with you, it was, this is really funny how this worked out. The save that we're talking about at the very end of the game, it happened right as the Eagles game hit halftime. Nice. So I literally flipped, flipped right over. Well, no, I ended up missing it because I flipped over right as halftime hit. And the game had just ended, but they were literally in the moment reacting to the fact that, oh, my goodness, he just made this crazy save. And to be honest, without seeing it live as it happens and waiting for a replay, I'm not going to lie that my brain went Michael Neuvert, like, are we getting getting paddle save here? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was a good save. The pad on the goal line. And, you know, it was it was incredible. And and that's card. And and I kind of. And listen, maybe I was in a bit of a, a little bit of an angsty mood already because of the fact that like the Eagles were killing it at that point. And it was like, you know, you know, this isn't Minnesota and blah, 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 all that type of stuff. You know, I was I was having a, you know, I, I understand. You know, listen, I, I, I understand I, the internal struggle of a Philadelphia fan. <laughs> and and the, watching the Eagles is where I can be as opposed to, you know, when I do the flyer stuff. When but, I close when I close my I, eyes, sometimes I still see Joe Juravicious running down the vet sideline. Oh, what a pull. I know, I right? I know. Um but, <laughs> but to go off of that, like I all I could go back to was because this happened on Monday. It, be, like again, feels like ancient news at this point, because it was Monday. But the the Carter Hart isn't the number one. They should trade him. Conversation came back out. You have your reasons for bringing up trade Carter Hart, right? Your reasons for trade Carter Hart are exactly why, like, are exactly what we saw against Detroit. Well, because and that's, when it comes down to it, he wins you the game, right? So if he's going to win you games, that's fine. If you're going to get you into the playoffs, you got to be able to use it in the playoffs. So if you're there, and again, I don't think it's going to happen, but I did mention the 2019 Blues a couple you know, in the last couple shows. Can I bring up a team that I think he would remind me of to an extent okay. also? Uh, the 2001 Ducks? No, the 20, 2001. Are you thinking or 2002, oh, three, three, oh, whatever, whatever year Jean-Sebastian Giguera just absolutely dragged him to the final. The, the year that he won the Conn Smythe despite and, and losing the losing effort. game yeah. series. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm thinking for more much more recency bias. I'm thinking of the 2020 Montreal Canadiens for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Where, I'm sorry, you know, Carey Price just wills you into this thing. So you get the goaltending. And this team may very well add Sean Couturier to the roster. Yeah, I don't, you know. May. I don't know the status. I'm a little bit less confident from a week ago only because I don't, we don't hear anything about this guy anymore. I totally understand. And and he's, With the he's Philadelphia Flyers, away. they're gone until they're back. No, and he's and he's still weeks away, so it's not like we're like you know you know what I think a reason why we don't aren't we aren't hearing much is because again they've got a week until the All Star break, and then it's going to be that's going to be a big brakes, evaluation week. But pump the brakes, and then you got to like something else that's kind of interesting. I, I I find their schedule fascinating in certain aspects. No, I really do because they got this game against Detroit that they just played. 
was one game that separated four games at home. They go on the road really quick at the end of this upcoming week before the All-Star break for a couple games. They come back to four more in a row at home, spread out over the course of like a week and a half, following a week off completely, following four and five at home before a quick two-game trip. Like Makes sense. They're playing a lot at home. Yeah. And it which no which has to feel good. You That's don't go to rack up some points. It's kind of the time yeah, but it's kind of a time to be comfortable. You Man, and then you home, look at the you look at the March schedule. Bed. They only play four road games in March. The right. entire the entire month of March. And it's and a three, three of game, them in a row and then it's they a three game road through. trip and then a game in Ottawa. Uh, like, now now I'm going to hear can I tell you something about that stretch of games coming up? Because we I don't know we if never, I've ever seen a seven game homestand before. It, it's Sorry. rare, but it happens. Um, yeah. When you play two games at home, go on the road, two at home, go on the road for two. You pick up the rhythm. No, but it doesn't pile up as much. I just want to call back to John Tortorella. Did We've been say at home for too long. Five games was at home for too long. So what is seven, seven? going to look like? Like, I do think, like, there is something to, because here's the thing. They're not going to practice for, for a portion of that week off. You know that. Oh, yeah. Like, they're gonna come, like, they're going to come back from playing Winnipeg on the road, take Sunday off. A bunch of them will probably hijack it over to the uh, hightail it over to the Eagles game because they can. Oh yeah, let's be real. They um, have the money, and then th- they may practice during the early part of that week. They may not at all, and then the All Star weekend is going to happen, and then the Sunday before they'll come home and they'll practice after the All Star game. I'm I'm also willing to bet that a lot of them won't be at the Eagles games because they're going to be leaving for Cabo Saturday night. <laughs> um. I don't know. They're about going. That because, they're going straight from Winnipeg to no, Tijuana. Nope. I'll tell you. Uh, nope. Because I, I think they're going to come back here first as a team. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I think a bunch of them are going to. Oh, then they'll go to the Eagles game. A bunch and, of them will like, go to the Eagles game. Let's the Eagles sure. game, and then they'll take the week. The rest of the well, I don't know. I don't know. You you got a point because well, no, I, I guess there's nothing that's really going to happen until Saturday. So, and I don't I don't know how this works. Is this a lot kinda, a lot of guys take vacate like, like is four ish con- day vacation? Is this still constituted as like the bye week thing where they're not supposed to necessarily have to do anything? Uh, I don't believe they're supposed to do much. No, because I think that some teams have that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Every team has Thursday through Sunday. Like, there's no games in on the schedule. Period. I'm pretty sure every team has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as well. No, no, no. I think there's some teams that have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and some that have the following Monday, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday. Because there's yeah, a, it does look like there's some small... limited games that right. Monday, so, Tuesday, Wednesday. So does this constitute like the bye week thing where everybody's supposed I, to just take off? I think so. You know, so maybe there will be a few trips being taken at that given time, or um, maybe it won't matter. Like if, that they'll listen, have from Monday on. Like I'm trying, NH- I'm trying. If the team tells an NHL player, "Hey, I'll see you in five days," that player is going to drink for four of them. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Like a lot of them, you know, <laughs> but all right, why don't we get out of here? Uh, we've been kind of rambling for a little while here. I think that was a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, we got some games to talk about. We'll be talking about kind of the lead into the all-star break. Maybe we'll yep. do something around that. Maybe we'll do some all-star game predictions. I think that could be some fun. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll, and we'll see, you know what? I don't know about next Sunday specifically with this, next but I do show. know. No, 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 We'll do it on a Sunday. That was yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know if that's when this is going to be relevant or if it's going to be the following week, like right after the All-Star break happens, but it's going to be a great time with nobody playing to pull back and look at the entire league at that point. I think I think next week we do it next week. Well, next week we still have games to talk about is the point. So the week after when there's no games that the Flyers play to talk about and then the whole league's been off for a little, 
it's gonna be a great time to pull back and kind of like be like, hey, by the way, we got February, March, and April kind of to go. Yeah. And where is everybody stand? Who's gonna make it? Who's not? Like, talk about stuff. Some, talk about some trade deadline stuff. Maybe some predictions over there. And- I think it's a great for me. It's gonna be a great time to look at the standings and talk about like who are the surprises, who are not, kind of stuff. I, I can't wait to see what the. Uh, I'm. This is totally non-flyer related. I can't, I can't wait to see what the. I can't wait to see what the Bruins' record is by this point. I can't wait to see what forty goal scorer they add at the trade deadline. <laughs> Speaking of forty goal scorers, by the way, this is a great way to get out too. Oh yeah, every week. Connor McDavid, eighty-eight points in forty-eight games. He's got forty freaking goals. In case you didn't know that the best player in the world wears nine, number 97 for Edmonton. Man. He, when's, and when's that game in Philly, by the way? Because it's soon. It's early February. Isn't is it? he? February 9th. Yeah. I, man, I, I bet. Like, I've, I've had some rough scheduling stuff going on lately that I you can't get down here all the time. I, I got to make it to that one. You have to. I'm going to be disappointed well, in you if you don't. You know what? I already. You know what? I know I am. You know why? Because I've already kind of made plans that I'm not going to go to the Seattle game that's on Super Bowl Sunday okay. afternoon. Because regardless, just in of, case. Well, no, regardless of if they're playing or not, because I'm gonna like I want to have a get together that night and all that type of stuff. So I'm gonna kind of be doing some housekeeping items while I work around the fact that there's a game well, on. Well, listen, if you don't make it down there to see Connor McDavid, I'm gonna be disappointed. No, I'm going to make it down there. And I'm, choo- I'm choosing not to go see Dave Haxtell, so make sure I can see uh, Connor McDavid. Which, and I'm gonna be disappointed in you, our listener, yeah. if you um, don't subscribe to us on YouTube. <laughs> If you don't, follow, I love the segues. If you don't follow our Twitter at YWT Podcast, if you don't follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso, make sure you can check out the show anywhere. So I'm not disappointed in you. It's on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Podbean, SportstalkPhilly.com. You can find it everywhere. Like I said, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Kevin, any last words for this week? Nope. Let's get out of here. All right. We'll be back next week. See ya.